Welcome to Women on the Line, one of Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs programs, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm your host, Hope Matumbu. Women on the Line acknowledges this program is produced and presented on the sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge elders past, present and becoming, as well as the owners of the land you're hearing us from. In November 2019, ahead of World AIDS Day, La Trobe University's Australian Research Centre in Sex, Health and Society held a one-day symposium looking critically at the intersection points of HIV in people's lives, especially people and communities affected by HIV who have not been at the centre of the Australian HIV response. In a four-part series, you'll hear from a variety of public health professionals discussing various aspects of HIV and intersectionality. In this show, our fourth and final part of our series, you'll hear from Dr. Jennifer Power, a research fellow at the Australian Research Centre in Sex, Health and Society, and Kirsty Machen, CEO of Positive Women Victoria. They continue their discussion around intersectionality and evidence in HIV research. You'll also hear from a panel discussion around intersections of HIV and the law. This panel features Jane Dicker from Harm Reduction Victoria, as well as Jane Green and Dylan from Vixen Collective, a Victorian peer work organisation. First up, let's hear from Dr Jennifer Power and Kirsty Machen. I think also, um, and and Kirsty maybe, could you speak about um, the fact that this research project here, um, that on women with HIV from the African diaspora um, is now in a sort of an implementation and community feedback phase. But it didn't just end with the publication of a report um, and some findings and some recommendations. It is actually an ongoing process. And, and where does that sit within the idea of community-engaged research? Um, so, yeah, so the short answer is... Um Yes, and um, uh, part of that's been um, part of Heather's um, ongoing work to sort of um, start to develop a work plan around this and and develop some sort of um, partnerships and ongoing um, engagement. Probably, um, if I'm being sort of absolutely kind of strictly kind of honest about it, probably um, it hasn't gone yet as far as it as it might have. We're we're a small organisation, and there's there's always kinds of always um, impediments to kind of getting things um, moving. But the there, there has been a lot of interest in in this research, and I absolutely kind of think that this has kind of informed the way that we've started to do other kinds of things within the organisation. Actually, some of the work I think, honestly, is kind of um, of in, internal. I mean, because we're a peer-led organisation, a lot of the the work that we do sort of is is what comes to us as kind of peer service providers, and kind of reflecting that back and adding that to that evidence base. So I don't have a huge amount to sort of say about. Um, where this is all kind of headed at the moment, but um, Heather and I have had um, definitely talks about a, a way of actually making sure that the, the, the specific sort of barriers and opportunities in there are the ones that we sort of start to work with. Yes. Jen, what do you think? In this part, Dr Jennifer Power discusses her work on the HIV Future Study. Um, so for those who don't know the HIV Future Study, it's a, it's a cross-sectional survey a national survey of people living with HIV. It's been funded since 97. We've done nine iterations. Um, it's a long survey instrument. Um, 
and, and it's funded essentially to capture information about quality of life to report against that indicator that's in the national strategy about quality of life and well-being. Um, so um, often we're asked, what can you do to capture a wider range of experiences? I think that's what you're getting at, David. And I find it hard to answer the, this without sounding like I'm passing the buck, but it, there is a bit of buck, buck passing because, to be honest, we don't get the resources like to, to what it would take to translate into multiple different languages, to sit with people, um, to, to build the level of trust and engagement and networks it would take to move into many, diff many diverse communities. That's years of work, that's the right researchers, that's the right networks, that's the right people. It's not me walking in saying, fill in my really long survey because I want you to. Like, I'm, can't, like, I'm not going to do that. Um, so I've always argued that it's not the right method. It's actually a, a big, long survey is a colonial, you know, it's a, it's a very Eurocentric method of collecting data and it's not the right method. Um, and, and I think that survey is an amazing survey and has its place and needs to continue. It captures very mainstream experience. Um, so, which is why I sort of came to this messy idea that it's a political solution. We need a different, we need different types of research than futures to capture different experiences. Um, and the solution isn't ever going to be me trying to take this big fat survey instrument out and get more people. It's, it's just not, it's not the right method. It's not the right instrument. So I think there was something else you asked and I've forgotten. Sorry, we're out of time. Women's on the line. Women on the line. Women on the line. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, we are a workers-only organisation. Dixon has been around for 14 years. We had our anniversary in October. Um, we are a completely unfunded and voluntary organisation. Um, so that sucks. Um, <laughs> it does suck. And um, uh, Victoria is the only state or territory in Australia that doesn't have a funded peer-based service. Um, so obviously that affects what we can do for community. Um, and that's an ongoing concern because there's a lot more we'd like to do for community. Um, I'm Dylan, I'm also from, uh, from Vixen Collective. I'm not going to repeat everything about Vixen, but hello. <laughs> in this part, Jane Green discusses HIV and sexual reproductive health promotion work within the sex worker community and the challenges that they face. Yeah, that's a big question. Um, and it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not big. Um, and look, it, uh, people may or may not be aware, um, we actually had an announcement from the government at 9.05 this morning um, announcing a formal review into sex work laws in Victoria. Um, so, yeah, that was a surprise. It was a surprise when I got the calls last night from ABC who the news had been leaked to. Um, and look, um, there had been rumours, but we weren't formally told that was coming. Um, so that's a not a review into what we're going to do, it's a review in line with Labour government policy which supports the full decriminalisation of sex work. So it's a review into how and when that will be happening, not into what will be happening, which is the decriminalisation of sex work, so you want to be really clear about that. Um, but in terms of HIV, the licensing system in Victoria itself is a major barrier. Um, in terms of health promotion and outreach. Um, and I've already mentioned we don't have a funded peer service. Um, but we have in Victoria mandatory STI and HIV testing, um, which is against best practice. Um, we have HIV criminalisation, and HIV criminalisation was removed in law for all other Victorians in 2014, which was the same time we had the International AIDS Conference here in Melbourne. Um, but sex workers were left behind um, and that's not an unusual situation for our community to be in um, and that's a massive problem um, it's obviously a disincentive to testing and treatment um, particularly for people that are symptomatic and have a very realistic fear um, that if they test they may face prosecution in jail and people have faced prosecution in jail um, and when those cases do come up, and they have come up here in, in the ACT um, in relation to HIV criminalisation, but also other states and territories, and I think pe people may be aware of the case in Western Australia as well, um, because that made big media um, and was very negative because it involved a trans woman going to a male prison. Um, and these cases can be com complex because of multiple marginalisations that people may face as people of colour and trans people and sex workers and drug users, um, that they have highly negative consequences for community that don't just affect the person concerned, but affect the willingness to test for other members of the community. And we've seen that reflected um, in the case in the ACT. Uh, the testing rates went from 40 people going through the local clinic a day to zero. So these have massive consequences for community. Um, and it's just massively depressing. And I think one of the things that we see again and again and again is that failure to consult with community 
um, and that being left behind. Yeah, I think the other thing just to add to that is that having a funded, as Jane mentioned, Victoria does not have a funded peer sex worker organisation, um, which is, um, you know, with the exception in that case in Australia. Um, and the lack of a funded service is, um, yeah, it directly goes against the national HIV strategy. It goes against all kind of evidence-based advice um, from from many different bodies. Um, so that's also, yeah, that's also a really big part. And decriminalisation needs to also involve that being insured. Do you want to add anything to that? And let's also be clear, the voices that should be prioritised in this space are the voices of sex workers living with HIV. And when you're a criminalised population, they're the voices that are the least likely to be heard. Women on the line. In this part, Jane Dicker discusses the challenges that people who use drugs face when it comes to accessing various health promotion initiatives. Um, using drugs is still against the law. Um, so just like Jane said, you you HIV positive sex workers being a criminalised group, you're not going to hear their voices, just like you're not going to hear the voices of people who use drugs, you know, like not everyone's as silly as me and will stand up in front of a bunch of people and say, hey, I'm a current drug user, you know, like, and that's come to bite me on the arse so many times <laughs> in my life, you know, but but we've got to do it, we've got to, you know, I mean, how long ago was it illegal to be gay, yeah. you know, so, um, and hopefully we're being progressive enough to to do that. I mean, fortunately in Australia, you know, it, HIV amongst people who inject drugs isn't, I mean, it's not insignificant. There's still people who inject drugs, you know, that are coming out with HIV, but as far as it being criminal, do I have to say any more? Like, nobody wants to put their hand up, nobody wants to come forward and say how they did this or got that or, and, um, yeah, we're going to get put into jail and be even more marginalised then because of what goes on in the prison. Not so much to respond to that, but to just speak briefly to another issue, which is the um, Medicare coverage of pathology <laughs> um, So, um, which is sort of a related issue. So when, um, because of the mandatory testing um, system, which is part of the licensing system for sex workers here in Victoria, we have to, every three months, get mandatory STI and HIV tests. Um, it used to be monthly, and before that it was actually fortnightly when it was first introduced. Um, when we go through um, and get the testing, uh, we can go through Melbourne Sexual Health, which is the one anonymous service in the entire state, um, or workers can go through their GP or family planning or other clinics. Um, we've had an increasing pattern over the last three or four years of workers ending up with the pathology bills, which can be hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And it's sporadic, um, and what it relates to is pathology services viewing it as a work-related expense and therefore not being covered by Medicare. Um, and so we will get calls through peer support where workers have these enormous bills um, and really have no recourse to challenge it. Um, and it's an increasing spiralling issue. Um, and obviously distressing for people that are left with hundreds and hundreds of dollars, sometimes up to eight or nine hundred dollars in pathology bills. For, for a, a testing that they need to do to get a certificate to be able to work. So it has a very big consequence as well. Yeah, I'd say not need to do, legally required yeah. to do. In this part, 
Jane Dicker discusses the enablers and barriers that people who use drugs face when uh, accessing health services. Yeah, there's the legal issues, but there's also the stigma and discrimination that, you know, that's the big black cloud across everything that I do, I think, you know. Um, It just, that acts as a barrier for people, you know, they're not going to be open and honest with healthcare providers because, you know, they're not going to... And, you know, once upon a time... I mean, it's not HIV, but it's Hep C. You know, you couldn't access Hep C treatment if you were still currently using. Like they've removed that barrier too. But as far as HIV goes, um, you know, even in prisons, once people are in prison and they want to use drugs, you know, they they can't access any equipment or and yeah. So it's it's still. You know, just going to your local service to access clean equipment, you know, and you get seen by the police, you know, you get harassed. If you're anywhere in Richmond at the moment, you're going to get harassed, you know. So, to me, it's a huge barrier. In this part, Jane Green from the Vixen Collective discusses a campaign uh, that works towards trying to decriminalise sex work in Victoria and across Australia. Yeah, people are probably used to me busting in and making speeches. Um, just because it's really relevant because the review has been announced today um, and we have already had really strong feedback. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, nothing really to do with us. Um, um, I mean, look, it's, it's the outcome... Yeah, no, it's not true. The, it's, it's the... Um, it's the outcome of a really, really long push from community driven by the work of individual sex workers in consultation with Vixen Collective as the peer or here in Victoria over many, many years, um, even though it would have been nice if government had talked to us about the timing of the announcement. Um, but I think it's important for people to realise that this is a time of tremendous opportunity for our community, but it's also a time of tremendous risk for our community. Um, and what I mean when we say that is that we have seen the decrim campaign in the Northern Territory succeed yesterday, um, and that's a cause for celebration. Please clap. Yeah. Um, um, that's the only the third place in the world um, to get the decriminalisation of sex work, um, and we should all be jumping up and down. Um, but we've also seen the decrim campaign in South Australia fail for the 13th time. Um, and that's just immeasurably depressing, um, and that happened in the last fortnight. Um, and that failure came with really real costs for South Australian sex workers, but it came because of very distinct reasons. Um, and we need to recognise what those reasons are. Um, we need the support of allies in this fight. Um, Thank you, (laughs) ally. So, and we need that support um, to come to our community and to the peer representative organisations of our community and we are in a distinctly disadvantaged position here in Victoria of being, as we've said, the only state or territory in the country that does not have a funded peer service. Um, It is our responsibility as, as the unfunded peer service to raise the voices of our community and to raise the voices of the most marginalised within our community. Um, We have been doing that for 14 years as an unfunded peer service. We will continue to do that. But we also do direct peer support and advocacy for our community. Women on the line. (laughs) Women on the line. Women on the line. (laughs) 
of our fourth and final part of a series of recordings from a one-day symposium looking into HIV and intersectionality. You just heard from a panel discussion around the intersections of HIV and the law, featuring Jane Dicker from Harm Reduction Victoria, as well as Jane Green and Dylan from Vixen Collective, a Victorian peer work organization. Before that, you heard from Dr. Jennifer Power, a research fellow at the Australian Research Centre in Sex, Health and Society, and Kirsty Machen, CEO of Positive Women Victoria, continuing their discussion around intersectionality and evidence in HIV research. And that's all for Women on the Line today. Women on the Line is a community radio national women's current affairs program. It's produced and presented by a range of women and non-gender conforming broadcasters from 3CI in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the community radio network. We greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email to womenontheline at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 9419 Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website, www.3cr.org.au forward slash womenontheline. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by Latigre. I'm Hope Matumbu, and I hope you can tune in again next time. Thank you so much to everyone that's tuned in to our four-part series. Uh, this series is dedicated to anyone and everyone who's living with or affected by HIV. And as a special treat for you, um, please enjoy this song by the U.S. girl brand, U.S. 90s girl band TLC, uh, one of my favorites, um, Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls. Thank you. Bye.
sick because my life is in shades and gray. I pray often, fade away, sell the praise for the seven days. And like his promise is true, won't leave my bacon undid. The many chances I blew to bring my life to an end. Clear blue and unconditional. Skies have dried the tears from my eyes, no more lonely cries. My only lead and hope is for the folk who can't cope with such an enduring pain that it keeps them in the boring rain. Who's to blame for two again into your own vein? What a shame, yes, you ain't for someone else's brain. Is up to me, yeah. Don't go chase. 